what does it look like? Talking about revival, talking about what God wants to do in this hour that we're living in. And uh, I don't know about you, but I want more. Amen. 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 I want more. I mean, I was talking to a minister friend of mine yesterday. We spent some time together, and, and that's, all, that's kind of what we, all we could talk about. We just want more. And, um, you know, you can, you can, um, uh, you can create the, the atmosphere for that, and you can be ready for that. And in your own lives, you can walk by faith. Amen. And, and, um, but, but yet there's just always that yearning for more. There's that yearning that there's more out there God wants to do. Amen. And uh, I believe it's coming. And uh, so we've been talking about this uh, from the standpoint of the Word of God in regard to rain. Because anytime God moves by His Spirit in the Word, it, it, a lot of times it's called rain. In fact, God promised it that way to us. Over in Joel, it talks about the fact that... Um, that God would in the, well, let me just read you. Um, let me just read you this scripture real quick. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess up uh, my, the people putting the scriptures up there probably, but, but let me just read you this scripture, Joel chapter two and verse 28, uh, talking about the Holy Spirit coming. And it's, and it says, it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now, you know, we're not anywhere near to that. Just imagine what that looked like at the Holy Spirit. Because listen, you're going to either accept it or you're going to run from it. So, oh no, everybody would accept that. No, they won't. Stephen was preaching over in Acts chapter 7 and he preached and all he did was preach. He was preaching to Pharisees and all he did was preach to them about Moses. And I mean, he, he preached the, whole, the, 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 the Old Testament. And then brought it up to Jesus. And he said to them, you always resist the Holy Spirit. So you can resist the Holy Spirit. I've been known to do that myself before I got saved more than once. But the, the, the thing is that, uh, that we want to see out of this is that, that there are two, two areas that the Lord talked about rain. And, uh, and that's really kind of where, where I want to start out. And then I'm going to show you something particular tonight. In Joel chapter 2, verse 23, it says, um, He will give you the former rain, and He'll cause the rain to come down to you, the former rain and the latter rain in the same month. In other words, we have a former rain and a latter rain, and it's not hard to figure out what that is. The former rain means before the harvest, and the latter rain means right before the harvest. And so the, the former rain is, is, is there to, to get the seed started in the ground. Really, you want to put it another way, make it easy for the seed. But then the latter rain comes at the end when that seed, it's time for it to grow and there to become a harvest from it. And so Lord, the Lord likened revival to, to rain, to the former rain and the latter rain. Now, a lot of time people, you know, they call something revival that's not revival. It may be a move of the Spirit and God, the Holy Spirit moving, but rain's rain, whether it's a little bit of rain or a lot of rain. And the way you can always see rain and know 
um, what, what's rain, go look at the former rain. We got that, right? We got the book of Acts. Amen. And so we know what the former rain looks like. We've talked about it and not through talking about it, but we've, been, we've talked about well, what are the properties of the rain of the, of, the, of the former rain? Well, the latter rain isn't going to be a different thing. It's still rain. It's just going to be more. Just more. And so uh, that's kind of where, what we're talking about. But there's another aspect of this that I want to talk about. And I'm going to read this scripture to you. And I, uh, well, I got to read James chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. So just, just listen to this. It talks about, it talks about the, the rain in conjunction with the harvest here. In James chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, it says, Therefore, be patient, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Now listen to the rest of this. The precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently until it receives the early and the latter rain. So you got to have both of those to produce a harvest. And it says, you also establish yourselves. Establish your heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So th there's fruit involved here. There's a harvest involved here. But anytime there's a harvest, there's seed. Amen. The, anytime there's a harvest, there's seed. And what I want to talk to you about tonight is a little bit different say, well, I don't believe that, but I don't believe that's enough Bible for that. Well, then just don't take it. But I, I really believe the Lord showed me something about generational seed. And, um, you know, we're, we're entering into one of the greatest times of harvest the church has ever known. And we've got to be prepared, but we've got to understand it. And um, so in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, in verse 7, it's, it's talking here about the operation of harvest. So listen to what it says. Verse 6, I planted, Paul is talking here. He said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. See, no one, not, no one person can take credit for anything. Well, you know, we did this and we did this and this is why everything's the way. No, somebody probably planted that and you're just, you're eating the fruit of something somebody else did. Amen. See, I know, I know that for a fact in our, in our area, there were pioneers. One of my friends had gone home to be with the Lord, Buddy Harrison. His grandfather was a Pentecostal pioneer in this area. Listen, if you, if you did what we did today, they'd run you out of town. They ran him out of town. Buddy used to tell me, he said my grandfather would tell me stories about catching the train and riding down south to preach the gospel and preach the power of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. He'd come back beat up and bloody and tarred and feathered. Well, I never had to do that. I enjoy the fruit of it. I mean, I don't have to fret about that because somebody planted those seeds. And now the Lord said, Sam, you need to just water that, water that, water that. But God's the one who gives the increase. 
Okay, so really, you, you, so Paul said in the next verse, so neither he who planted is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. So when you look at this, first thing you got to know is seed's got to be sown. Now this is important, and I want you to listen to me. Because just because you sow a seed doesn't mean this, it comes up right away. Amen. Okay. Just so you, because you sow a seed doesn't mean it comes up right away. And spiritually speaking, I believe it's the same way. And I believe that's what Paul was talking about here. But, but seed's got to be sown. Some people are just seed sowers. They're out there preaching. They're, they're not necessarily reaping. They're just sowing seed. But they're just as important and just as valuable as somebody comes behind them and reaps the harvest and thinks they did something big. Well, wait a minute. Who sowed that seed? Amen. I mean, Reinhard Bonnke went to Africa and, 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 and preached the gospel and hundreds of thousands of people got saved, but somebody sowed those seeds before he got there. Do you know the, there were missionaries that have been, been in those nations sowing seed for centuries? Sowing seed, sowing seed. So you got to have seed has to be sown, you also have to put water on them. And it's got to be applied properly, and then God will give the increase. So I don't care how you look at it, that's really the way any move of God works. There's got to be seed sown. It's got to be watered, and God will give an increase. Well, I want it now. Well, wait a minute, it's growing. Be patient. Like I said in James, you got to be patient. It's growing, it's growing. Well, I don't see it. Well, it must not be working. I didn't get a harvest. Well, wait a minute. Just let it work. You know, some things work over generations. Not even They don't even work over our, even our time frame. They, they work on God's time. You don't want to hear that, I know, but it's true. So listen to what it says in Matthew about this seed sow in a minute. The field is the world. Matthew chapter 13, verse 38. The field is the world. Everybody knows that, right? The field is the word. The good seeds, listen, the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the, wick, are the sons of the wicked one. Amen. Well, listen to what else it says. It says, the enemy who sowed this, them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. So there is going to come a harvest at the end of the age. There's going to be a, a supernatural harvest that only God could produce. I'm going to be a part of that so bad. I mean, I, I tell you, listen, if the Lord told me I had to be 105 to see it, I'd hang in there to 105, whatever it takes. I, I want to be there. I want because I know it's coming. Amen. I know it's coming. Amen. So the seed, the good seed are the children of the kingdom. And the harvest is the end of the world. Everybody got it? All right. So listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully, because this is going to stretch you a little bit, but I want you to listen to this. Generational seed has been sown since the day of Pentecost. 
Just because somebody died does not mean that that seed did not go and transmit to someone else. I'm not saying they're saved, but there's a seed there. The seed of Christianity has been sown all over the world. You think about the early days of the gospel, all of the seed that was sown, oh, you just go look at the region where it was sown, Turkey primarily, but you go look at all those regions, and, and right now it doesn't look like, oh, my Lord, it's taken over by the Muslims. Oh, no, it ain't taken over by anything. The seed's still there. The seed's still there. Well, who is it? I don't know. But somebody's grand child of a grandchild of a grandchild of those seed, a lot of them are still there. And they don't even know what's in them yet. They don't know what God's got. But let me tell you something, God does not just look at, a, at two people who are married and get saved and think, well, that's it. They get saved, their kids are on their own. The Lord doesn't look at it that way. And nor does he look at it that way with, 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 other, with, with multiple generations. I mean, you think about how many people have migrated from that part of the world to other parts of the world, and you think how that seed's spreading, and they don't even know they're the seed that's being spread. But once it's watered, I'm telling you, there's something about this that goes way beyond our concept of, of, you know, well, you know, all the people that backslid and all the people that, you know, are out there and they don't know Jesus, they've never known Jesus. Yeah, but their grandparents knew Jesus. That, that makes them a candidate in a different realm. Now, listen, I'm going to show you this from the Word. You know, I wouldn't just tell you this, right? It makes them candidates. It makes them seed. God's always uh, dealt with generations of offspring. Let me just read over in Exodus. The children of Israel were in bondage. And, and they were crying out to God. In verse 24, listen to what it says. God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant. We got a covenant. My, my grandparents had covenant. Their parents had covenant. Y'all still here? Now listen to what it says. God remembered his covenant with who? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not just Abraham. No, that seed went over to Isaac. That seed went over to Jacob, and it went further than that. Say, so, well, what's that got to do with being a Christian? God still works the same way. Same principle. It's on a different level. It's not a bloodline. It's a spiritual bloodline. Actually, it's the blood of Jesus. Look at this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 2. Well, back, let me read verse 1. The book of the genealogy are the generations of Jesus Christ. These are the generations of Jesus Christ. Stop and think about that a minute. God, God had those seed from the beginning. He had those generations. And they weren't all perfect generations. Go read. They were prostitutes in that generation. 
There were all kinds of people in there, but God had a generational seed that brought Jesus into the earth. You don't think he's got generational seed to welcome him when he comes back? The book of the genealogies are the generations of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. And Judah begot Perez and Zerah. And you just go on and you go on and you go on. What is that? Those are generational seed that brought forth the son of God. Now there are generational seed that are going to welcome him back because they're going to be watered and Jesus is going to come alive in them. They're going to accept Jesus. Well, you know, it's just so hard. Listen, there are Muslims right now that have the seed of Jesus in them because somewhere back down the line, their parents served God, and somehow they got hooked up with Islam. That don't mean anything to God. If you, if you don't believe it, go read this genealogy that brought Jesus. It don't mean anything to him. Only God can keep up with that. He can look at me and he can say, Sam, let me tell you your heritage. I'm going to tell you who your parents are. I'm going to tell you who your grandparents are. I'm going to tell you who their parents were, who their parents And I'm going to tell you all the way back to Adam how you got here. Do you know we could all do that? All the way back. It's not hard for him. It's there. So all, all these nations uh, that were rich with the gospel in the early days, they still got the seed. Hey, we're supporting some missionaries right now in Turkey. They're in Istanbul. They can reap a harvest that, that you couldn't even imagine over there because of all, all the churches that were in that region and all the things that God did in that region. Y'all still with me? Isn't it interesting that, that God had brothers that were the original disciples? He didn't just pick one of the brothers. He picked both of them. He said, both of you come. Peter, you and Andrew come. You don't hear much about Andrew. Andrew did a great work, by the way. Okay. If you followed him, you'd find he, he did a great work. You got James and John. Brothers. Sons of thunder. He didn't just pick one of them and say, well, you're left out. You're going to go, but you're not. No, he picked both of them. So let me show you something here from the Word of God that, 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 that will help you with this. I, I, I think, because if you're not careful, you can take this too far. I'm not saying that those seed are saved because of that, but I am saying there's something there that somebody who there was never a seed of Jesus in their lives, there's a difference. Listen to what Paul said here, and he's, he's arguing about... Um, uh, a saved husband and an unsaved wife or vice versa. But I'm going to just read you this one scripture out of the Amplified Bible. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 14. Listen to what it says. It says, For the unbelieving husband is set apart. 
separated, withdrawn from heathen contamination and affiliated with Christian people by union with his consecrated, now listen to this, set apart wife. He's not consecrated by, because of something he did. It's because of his wife. Does that mean he's saved? No, but it, it, there is a consecration, a covering there. A Christian covering. Still with me? All right, listen to what it says. And the unbelieving wife is set apart and separated through union with her consecrated husband. Otherwise, listen to this, otherwise your children would be unclean, unblessed heathen outside the Christian covenant. But as it is, they are prepared for God. Pure and clean. I don't know what generation it'll be. I don't, but I'm telling you, listen, Becky and I, since our kids were born, have prayed over them because they're, they're Christian seed. They're covered. They still had to make a decision to follow Jesus. They had to make that decision for themselves. But I want to tell you something. When you're covered and that seed's in you, all it needs to do is be watered. Now you stop and think right now how many people in the world there are right now that are not serving God, that at one point or another, them or their relatives, somebody in their family that is a direct line were sanctified, consecrated to God, and was set apart to God. There was a covering there. There was something that was there, something that took place to make them different. It's called the seed. Well, that means God's, God's um, uh, playing favorites. Well, in a way, yeah, he's playing favorites with his own. Doesn't mean, it doesn't mean anybody can get saved. But there is a holy influence. There is a sanctified seed out there, not by something that somebody's done, but because their parents or their grandparents, somewhere down the line. And you look, you say, well, I tell you, my family, you don't know my family. You don't know your own family. I don't imagine I didn't. Most of you know my story. You know, I was raised, both my parents were alcoholics. You know, if you looked at that, you'd say, oh, there's nothing there. Yeah, but my grandparents were godly people. Yeah. Then I found out that my great-grandfather was a preacher. Now, I'm sure there were others. I, I know in my spirit there were others. I, my, my, my uncle was, was, was a pastor. My, my other uncle was a deacon in the church his whole life, served God his whole life. That's not by accident. You think it's by accident? Oh, Sam's up here. And, you know, y'all heard a little bit of my testimony Sunday if you were here. But, oh, Sam's, you know, there's nothing there. Pastor Sam, oh, he just kind of popped up out of nowhere. I don't know. That isn't true. You don't know. You don't know that person. You don't know who that is. Maybe it's, maybe it's recent. Maybe it's 
It's close. Maybe it's current, but maybe it isn't. But that sanctification, and, and I like the, I, the, the way the, the, the Amplified Bible puts this. I just, I, I love the way it, it says it, that they are prepared for God. Prepared for God. <laughs> hey, I didn't even know it before I was a twinkle in my daddy's eye. I was already prepared for God. Now, you can resist that, and I, I'm sure there are people who never, ever step over into that. But here's what I want you to get at. Here's what I'm trying to get you to see. If you understand that principle, and then all of a sudden it starts raining, the Holy Spirit starts flowing, and, and all of a sudden something starts happening with all those seeds. They, people don't even know. Listen, there are people in the world, they don't even know why they're different. Amen. They don't understand why they have a moral compass when somebody else doesn't. It's because they've been set apart. Amen. Does it mean that they're going to accept it? Not always. But when you start watering it, when you start watering it, things start, things start working. Things start happening. God does not forget a generation. There are no lost generations with God. We may not even see what happened to a generation that we call lost, but yet God knows exactly where they are and he knows where the seeds are. He knows what's happening. He know what's, knows what's going to happen in the future. Just so you know a scripture that'll help you with this, Galatians chapter three, verse 29 says this. You ready? If you're in Christ, how many of you in Christ? Then you are Abraham's seed. You're his seed. It doesn't have to be a natural, it's a spiritual thing. You're his seed and heirs according to the promise. You know, sometimes the seed is in dry ground just waiting for rain. Let me show you another one. Look at this over in 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to just read you a portion of Scripture here this will, so you can see this. I thank God whom I worship with a pure conscience in the spirit of my fathers. In the what? In the spirit of my fathers. Now, he was, he, he's, he's, he's already, this is Paul. He's already saved. Y'all still with me? He's already saved. But he said, I thank God in a pure conscience. Are y'all still with me? It says, in, in the spirit of my fathers, I worship. So there was something there with Paul going way back. His, I, I know I'm just speculating, so don't misunderstand this. His great-grandfather might have had a vision from the Lord saying, one of your seed." is going to preach the gospel of the Messiah to the world. You think Paul just popped out of nowhere? I don't think so. Nobody else that God used just popped out of nowhere. I don't know the story. I know he had a sister who got saved. 
You didn't know that, did you? Yeah. But the point is, notice, notice that there was something there about the spirit of his fathers, even though from a natural standpoint, they were contrary because they were in the law of the law. But no, let's read on. Verse four. He's talking to Timothy. And when, as I recall your tears, I yearn to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm calling up memories. Let me go over to the King James and read this. I'm reading it out of the Amplified Bible. We don't need all that. Okay, listen to what it says. When I call to remembrance the genuineness that is in you, which dealt, dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you also. Three generations. Now see, you say, well, they were all living there together and they all got saved at the same time. That's not the way that reads. Started with the grandmother. There was something there with Timothy. Timothy had a unique situation. His mama was Jewish, his daddy was a Gentile. That wasn't an accident. Y'all thinking? So listen to Isaiah 61, verse 9. Listen to this. Their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles, their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge him. Okay? That they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. Say, so, well, that's talking about the Jews. Well, I'm going to read you another scripture here in a minute, but here's what you got to listen to first, okay? There's coming a time when the, when the seed is going to be known. People, all of a sudden, water's going to hit that seed. The water of the Holy Spirit is going to hit that seed. And you're going you're gonna to look, look at people and say, Man, they sure, they, they grew in the Lord in a hurry, didn't they? Oh, my goodness, look at that. One minute, they're, they're just like Timothy. Timothy was a young man. Next thing you know, he's pastoring a church of 100,000 people in Ephesus. Now, I'm not, I'm not bragging about this. It's probably not anything to brag about. But, but, you know, I got saved when I was 27 years old. I was pastoring when I was 30. And if it hadn't been for people like Klein and Patsy Blunt, I would have never made it. I needed somebody that had some maturity about them to help me. And my wife, thank God she was raised in church because there were things I wasn't going to do. I didn't want to bury people and I didn't want to marry people. I didn't want to go visit in the hospital there are just things I didn't want to do. And Becky would say, Sam, you just need to do this. You got to do this. It's not, and I did it. Don't get offended by that. I'm just telling you, I was 30 years old, wasn't raised in church. My mother would take me to church. I mean, if you heard this story, would take me to church, let me off at the front door of the Baptist church. She didn't go, but she took me. 
I'd walk in the front door, walk down the aisle, walk around the back, walk. You know, most Baptist churches in those days were all designed the same. You know, they were, you, you could go to one in any town. You could know how to get around them. Go out the back door. Actually, a side door. It wasn't the back door. Go out the side door, go around the back, and I'd go to Wanda Murray's house who lived behind the church <laughs> until church was over. Now, right before noon, now, I don't know about now, but back then, you could set your watch by the Baptists. They're going to be out at noon. Okay? If you were Baptist, you know what I'm talking about. How many of you were Baptists? Thank God you're saved now. No, I'm just joking. There are a lot of great Baptist people. Please. Becky's parents love the Lord. They were Baptists all their lives. So, but listen, so I'd come back in. If, I was, if they were still, something was going on, they were singing um, a little bit more than, than Come As I Am, and they weren't singing it, singing it a second course or something, I'd peek around the baptistry, you know, it would sit up a little bit, and I could peek around there and see kind of where everybody was, because I didn't realize they were seeing me. But. And then service was over, I'd walk back up the aisle, walk out, shake the pastor's hand, and my mother was waiting to pick me up. So I didn't know anything. But yet there was something in me that knew what I was supposed to do. I never thought about going to Bible school. You can ask Becky, I would spend hours in my own Bible school. But there, and I, I can't take credit for that. There's something was already there. It just got watered. It just got watered, and I started acknowledging the Lord. And then verse 11 of Isaiah 61 says this, For as the earth brings forth and buds, okay, how does that happen? Okay, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to what? Spring forth, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Woo! It's, it, listen, people are going to blossom. You can't look at how they look. I used to ask Brother Osteen, I said, Brother Osteen, why in the world do you even put up with me? Because I was just, I was, I didn't, I was just off the wall sometimes about stuff. I got on to him one time about preaching because he preached, a, uh, I mean, not preaching, about doing a wedding. And he said, until death do you part. And I said, you just put a curse on him. <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, Sam, that is none of your business. I said, why did you put up with me? And he said, I saw something in you. But it wasn't really, it wasn't me. I can't take credit for it. Somebody just watered something. So you might see somebody being a wild child, a gangbanger, and you think, oh, my Lord. But I want to tell you, their mama, their grandmama, their, their great-great-grandparents, somebody out there had something, and they wouldn't let go of it, and they passed that from generation to generation. And one day, all of a sudden, that gangbanger is going to say, you know, I need Jesus. Somebody will water that seed, and it will take root on the inside of them. And they'll explode. I believe that. 
I believe kids that were raised from in church and they're out of church and they're not serving God. That's it's in them. It's on the inside of them. And somebody's going to water it. It may not be you, but somebody is going to water it. And it's going to bloom. Well, you stop, you stop and think about uh, what all it takes. Listen, all it takes is a little water, a little rain, a little power of the Holy Spirit working. It doesn't take a lot. You just think about how quick something could happen. Listen, you just think about how quick something could happen uh, somewhere like in China. Say, well, what about China? Well, think about this a minute. There was a move of God in China in the 1800s. There, it, it was amazing all the things that happened in China in the 1800s. I mean, people were getting saved all over the nation. People like from London, from England, these, these graduates of all these prestigious schools like Cambridge and, and places in, in London and all these great schools, those, guys, those men were getting saved and they were going to China <laughs> preaching the gospel. You think those seeds are dead? No. Listen, I went to China one time. Uh, it, it was before. Uh, it's, it's been a while now. But, but I went to China. You had to sneak around, which I'm assuming you still do. But, but you had it. And, and I, they wanted me to go to this, this church. It was a, called a house church. I mean, I went this direction, then that direction, then I went down an alley, and then I went in this building, in that building, finally got into this building. And it wasn't a house church. It was a three-story church where the pastor was on the upper floor preaching to a room of about 40 people. And then the floor below was watching it on video and the floor below was watching it on video. Where did those people come from? They were watered seeds. They're still there. Well, we got to preach the gospel. Listen, we need to pray for rain in China. If it rains in China, you're not going to hold them back. You go look all over the world where God's worked and God's used people, and it's amazing what, what can happen. I mean, the Chinese, it was, it was powerful what was going on before the Boxer Rebellion and really then ended up being communism came in after that. But, but the point is, those seeds are already there. Generational seeds. So, well, I didn't, I didn't raise my kids as good as I could have. It has nothing to do with it. Did you expose them to Jesus? Well, yeah. There you go. That's a good, that's, that's, that's good. Pray, pray for rain. Pray for rain. Pray for the seed on them. The, the harvest on that, on, on that seed. Let that rain flow on it. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 40, uh, 44. All it's going to take is for the seed is water. And that's really, in a sense, that's really up to God. But listen to what it says in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 3. I will pour water on him who is thirsty, and I will flood and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit 
on your descendants. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your offspring. When does that start and when does it end? It doesn't. It's simply a matter of water. It's simply a matter of rain. That's a generational promise from the Lord. And you have to hold on to that. You have to stay with it. I love, I love, I love the way it says this in verse four. It says, they will spring up among the grass like willows by the water course. They're going to spring up. They're going to start preaching the gospel. They're going to start declaring the works of the Lord. And just like it said in Isaiah 61, 11, it, it, it says that, that righteousness and praise will spring forth to all the nations. All the nations. God wants a harvest. And the seed is sown. A lot of it is already sown. Listen to what, Joel, I'm going to read this and I'm finished. But listen to this. Listen to what, um, what, what it, it talks about the harvest and it being the former and the latter rain. And, and the thing you've got to understand is there is a lot of seed already in the ground. Okay, he said in Joel 2.23, he said, <clears throat> he'll give you the former rain and he'll cause the rain to come down, the former and the latter rain in the first month. But then listen to what he says over in verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Now, now see, sometimes we misread this. And your sons and your daughters... Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your sons and your daughters. See, we always look at it as a future generation, but sometimes it's not a future generation, it's a past generation. It says they're going to prophesy. Old men will dream dreams, young men will see visions. So you've got to know and you've got to understand You've got to know, you've got to understand that this thing is far greater and these seeds are already in the ground. So when you're praying, that's why the Bible says ask for rain in the time of rain. Why? Because it can water the seed. It can pour water on dry ground. It can flood the dry ground. It can put, put, bring forth what needs to be accomplished on the thirsty and on the dry grounds. And he said, I'll pour my spirit out on your descendants and my blessings on your offspring. So there's a generational seed. Now, if you're responsible for seed right now, means you've got kids, grandkids, people that you're mentoring, that you're uh, involved with, sow seed into their lives. Sow the gospel into their lives. Well, they don't, they don't, they, they're not hearing it. They're not hearing it. They're hearing it. They're hearing it in their spirit. I, I can't tell you how many people that I've known that 
it took to their last breath almost to accept it. But they're hearing it. They're hearing it. There's a generational seed rising up. And some of it, you'll look at them and say, where did they come from? They didn't go to cemetery. I mean, seminary. <laughs> they didn't go to any Bible school. And they're out preaching the gospel. They're standing up preaching the gospel. Look at Stephen. Stephen, the Bible says he was full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost. He got up there and he preached from Genesis to, to Malachi. It's all he knew, so he preached it all. Where did he come from? I bet you if you dig around in there, you'll find parents, grandparents, great-grandparents that love the Lord, walked in the law. He may, he may go all the way back, um, you know, way, way back to, to uh, uh, one of the prophets, to Elijah or Elisha or, one or, or some, some relative of theirs or somebody. You don't know. You don't know. But that seed's there. God, listen to me. He, he values every person. He knows every person. He knows them. I mean, I don't think it was, it's any, any accident, anything of my own making or my own will that I'm even standing here today preaching to you. I'm just kind of following what the Lord had. But it, that seed was there. Even when, even when I wasn't listening, even when I wasn't paying attention, it, something was working. So don't get discouraged with that. Don't look at oh, well, my kids or my grandkids or I don't know what I'm on. I don't know, old God, do something. Don't, don't tell God, God just knock them down so they can get back up and see you or put them under the barrel so they can look up. Doesn't have to be that way. Doesn't have to be that way. No, that seed just needs water. You get the right person watering that seed, it, it doesn't take much. Amen. 